Welcome to the Faith Forward podcast series. Faith Forward is a grassroots network dedicated to bringing together leaders of ministry with children, youth, and families for collaboration, resourcing, and inspiration toward innovative theology and practice. Through this series, we'll learn from creative, forward-thinking leaders who are pushing the boundaries and reimagining what it means to follow Jesus' way of love and justice today. Join us as we instigate a revolution of hope in our world. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Faith Forward podcast. My guest today is Lacey Finn Borgo. She is a spiritual director with the Renovare Institute and at Fuller Theological Seminary, where she also teaches in the areas of children's spirituality and spiritual direction. Uh, Lacey is a graduate of the University of Texas, of State University in New York, and of Portland Seminary, where she has earned her Doctor of Ministry degree. Uh, Her recent book, Spiritual Conversations with Children, Listening to God Together, has been making some big waves in the world of children's spirituality and ministry, um, and it's how I first got uh, connected with with her and her work. Uh, Lacey, thank you so so much for being here and speaking with me today. Mm, It's wonderful to be with you. I look forward to the conversation. Yeah, well, me too. I've been looking forward to it for a while. Mm. Um, I I first came across your book around the time that my most recent uh, book, which is based on conversations I had with children, uh, came out. And it was one of those books that I thought, oh, why? I wish I had seen this seven, eight, nine years ago. I immediately resonated with uh, a lot of what you were uh, saying in it and, and what you were advocating for. But I'd like to start by just backing up a little bit, because you have been doing some pioneering work in spiritual direction with children, Mm -hmm. and it's out of that work that you wrote Spiritual Conversations with Children. Um, How did you start doing spiritual direction with children? Mm, That's a great question. Well, I was getting my doctor of ministry degree at Portland Sim, and I had a pastoral counseling class, and I needed to uh, shadow a minister um, in pastoral counseling. And the minister that I shadowed um, said, you know, let's let's also do some um, counseling with children. You can shadow me in pastoral counseling with children. Mm-hmm. And um, I was a spiritual director at the time, and I began to have some conversations with this person around, I wonder what spiritual direction with children would look like. Mm -hmm. And they were getting ready. um, They were just starting a local um, transitional facility for homeless families in Olathe, Colorado called Haven House. And, uh, and this minister um, who um, was helping me out, Vivian, he stand. um, She said to me, what if we, um, and she's also a spiritual director and a minister, what if we create a method of spiritual Mm -hmm. direction with children? And what if we started at Haven House, this transitional facility for families without homes? Mm -hmm. And she said, and you can do all the research because you're (laughs) in seminary. (laughs) And I said, yay, a project. And So that's sort of where the method came from. That's where we started. But I would say the first 
time was probably the first inkling was maybe 10 or 15 years earlier when I was a public school school teacher in Rochester, New York. Mm-hmm. And I had a child who couldn't eat in the cafeteria any longer. And so bless this child, he had to eat lunch with me every single day of the school year. Yeah. And and I was too young and stupid, um, really, honestly. Um, I had far too much education for uh, the wisdom that I lacked um, to teach him anything. So I just listened to him. Mm-hmm. And in those listening moments of I'm just wanting him to talk so that I can grade papers and eat my lunch. Um, he starts right. talking about his inner world. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, wow, there is much more to children than I had any inklings about. Mm-hmm. So you just used the term listening and, and I, that idea of holy listening uh, features so well in your mm. book, especially with the a book with the word conversation in the title, because mm. sometimes when we think of conversations, we think of people speaking, but really right. it's people listening to each other. Um, mm. So, so how does the that idea that these spiritual conversations involve listening so deeply, mo- more than speaking in ways mm. with children, um, how does that ring true? Uh, to to this method. Mm. Well, I I love this um, quote from uh, Quaker Douglas Steer. He's mm-hmm. he's talking about being truly present with people, that we listen another person's soul into disclosure and discovery. Mm-hmm. So this idea that when we have spiritual conversations with children, we are invited into the opportunity of listening their soul into disclosure and discovery, their mm. own discoveries. Yeah. Um, so, so we get to have the opportunity to be listening, active listening participants in their discovery. And there's something unique about being there to see those discoveries as well. I know in my, in, in my work with children, my research with children, there were those discoveries and those moments where those spiritual and theological ideas kind of rose to the surface in their own, in the, in the children's own wonderings and, and, and uh, discussions. But there was also that surprising discovery of uh, it, with the children that I need to do this more often. And I mm-hmm. often had, you know, um, parents, ministers, and the children themselves, depending on the context, coming up to me and saying they, they want to do this again, uh, or the child saying, you know, you're going to be here tomorrow too. Can we do another session? And the researcher in me is like, well, officially we only could do the one, but yeah, let's just keep talking. Mm. And, and you talk about very clearly how these conversations are unique. And that's how, that's how I feel when I have them as well. Um, they're different from other conversations and I can, you know, speculate and wonder and, and, and our listeners can do likewise about why this is so. What, what do you think makes them so unique? Well, I, I think a couple of things that make them unique. One is uh, fully being fully present. So, so mm-hmm. often when we're having conversations and I, I, I am a mother of two nearly adult human beings. And right. when they were little, little younger in my house, I'm only half listening to them. 
So I'm sometimes listening for my own response. I'm listening for a teaching opportunity. You know now right. why you should pray for my children. Um, or I'm <laughs> listening for, or I'm doing something else. So one of the things that makes them unique is that the whole point is just to be fully present in body mm-hmm. and mind and spirit um, to the person who's speaking. And the other is an inner openness. So this inner openness to whatever the other person has to say. So whatever the child is saying, I am open to whatever that is, not for Mm -hmm. correction, not for guidance, but for welcome and acceptance. And Mm -hmm. we all um, human beings, we can sense that openness. And so this, the conversations, we call it holy listening at Haven House, they truly become holy when we are fully present and we have that inner openness and a sense of wonder about what is happening in those inner places within the child. Hmm. So, so what does a holy listening session look like? I know there's a lot of fluidity and flexibility and, uh, and, and it is certainly not something that is a nailed down once and for all type mm. of thing. But, it, mm. but if you had to describe um, the aspects or the elements or the progression of a holy listening uh, mm. session or conversation, um, how would you do that? Mm-hmm. So if, if uh, you were a child and you were to come to holy listening, which it's always voluntary, and, mm-hmm. and you're right, uh, children love being listened to. I don't have anyone who doesn't want to come to holy listening. Right. Um, uh, we, I have a room. They give me a room at Haven House, and it has a. Um, in order to honor the child's safety, um, it is a canvas piece of canvas with a plastic window glued in the middle, okay. hung on a <laughs> on a, a curtain rod over yeah. the open door. So it's just oh. an on. Yeah, because there's no door, there's no window in the door. And we really just want to honor their safety. So we have this this, uh, makeshift canvas door that we hang up on a curtain rod. It takes a hot glue gun and um, a curtain rod, really. Right. And (laughs) it's not, it's not lovely, but it is functional. Um, (laughs) So um, they'll come to the the holy listening door, quote Uh unquote, and, um, and we will take our shoes off. And so that's our first kind of bodily mark that where we're about to enter is something special. And then there's a a white blanket down on the floor with little green leaves. And on one side of the blanket have has a whole lot of manipulatives. Those within Mm -hmm. education will know that language. So a lot of manipulatives for recognition. Yeah. And then on the other side of the blanket are lots of manipulatives um, for response. So we enter together, we take our shoes off, we step on the blanket together, and we sit down on the blanket. Okay. And um, in the way that Jerome Berryman talks about allowing the child um, to not sit in a chair so that they yes. can be in charge of their own distance and yes. how much they want to engage. So we both sit on the floor and then they turn on a little battery powered candle. Yeah, And that is our reminder that um, divine presence is with us and that we have the opportunity to listen and look for the light. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then they, this is just kind of the rhythm of our session. Then they look through, rifle through some images and there are all kinds of images. 
um, that they can sort of project their feelings and their thoughts upon. So I say, you know, what, what of these images do you need today? Mm-hmm. And so they choose the image and they set it next to the candle. So in that way, we have prepared the sacred space and yes. they have had a hand in the preparation. And then we, they get to choose which of the manipulatives they would like to use for recognition. And it could be um, what I call holy listening stones, which are the brainchild mm-hmm. of Leanne Hadley, who's a children's chaplain, um, where they project their thoughts and feelings and their stories upon the stones. It could be okay. Play-Doh, it could be all kinds of so that they recognize the holy within their life. And I, mm-hmm. I generally ask a question, some question like, can you tell me three stories or some stories about where you have encountered goodness, beauty, or truth in your life? And mm-hmm. if they already have God language, then I might say, where have you encountered God? Where have you seen God or felt mm-hmm. God? And so they um, tell their stories and I listen and ask them questions so that they can open those stories up. And then I ask them, how would you like to respond mm-hmm. to what you have just shared? And they can pick something from the response side. And again, that's uh, could be watercolors. It could be Play-Doh. Yeah. It could be prayer beads, finger labyrinth. And, um, and then we engage in that piece. So the, the rhythm is kind of recognize and respond. Yeah. And then, um, uh, and then I, and and again, this is Leanne Hadley's idea that you use a little tube of lip balm Mm -hmm. and you invite the child if they would like a blessing. Mm -hmm. And so um, this is the only time that we touch and I take their hand and uh, always asking permission first. And then I make a symbol on the back of their hand. And we talk about how God presence, the divine is with us all the time. But sometimes we just, we catch a glimpse or a whiff of God. And that's a reminder that they are loved and that God is with them. And that's Mm. what it looks like. Wow. There's so much in there. And and as you were describing it, I immediately, you know, you talk about lighting the candle and setting the sacred space. Um, There's so many traditions, including those where at at the school where I teach, where we engage in worship and the first thing we do is we light the candle so it this isn't just a conversation this is a worshipful act Mm -hmm. that that you're engaging in with with children um and and you mentioned beauty goodness and truth and and immediately this uh book by paul scott wilson came to mind called preaching as poetry and the subtitle is beauty goodness and truth in every sermon it made me immediately think of are these conversations in fact are they sermonic are is it is it a form of preaching the word of God to one another Mm. or to to we who are listening. I love that because that Mm. is my experience as a spiritual director with children. I leave every, every encounter, and I've been doing this seven, eight years. I leave every encounter thinking my faith is so deepened. I, they did just preach a sermon to me. They preached the sermon of the good news in their own life. And I'm, I'm totally changed every time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what makes it holy is that we can't control it. And it just, the spirit (laughs) just kind of washes over the space and those of us in it, Um, which is, which is so interesting because you've described really well, this, this very flexible method 
yet within that are all these elements for the spirit to kind of burst forth and surprise us in in different ways one of the things i found when i'm when i'm talking with children i find that children respond in all different ways and it's really difficult to gauge in the moment or even afterwards what they think i've had sessions and like 45 minute conversations with with children where i think they don't want to be here um i feel really bad i hope i hope i didn't coerce them into into being in this conversation with me they don't seem very engaged and then one time they were like these these two girls came up to me after after that experience that that i perceived and said they were the ones that said we want to do this again tomorrow that was awesome um and and there are others where the conversation only lasts 10 minutes and somewhere it lasts over an hour and it's really crucial i've learned um for we who are adults to be responsive and not mm-hmm. to assume um, our own ideas about what makes something meaningful or, or, or important. Mm. You do name a few things as, as important, kind of underlying elements to this process mm-hmm. of holy listening. You talk about the importance of posture, of power, and patterns. Um, why are these three elements so important to having uh, spiritual conversations with children? Mm. Well, uh, posture and power kind of go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, if we want uh, a child to feel safe enough to tell us these holy stories, you know, to, as we just said, to preach the gospel, the good news of their lives, um, then we have to be people who are safe enough to hear it. Um, because that is, that is a vulnerable message to preach. Yeah. Um, So um, and one of the ways that we do that is that we um, enable the child's agency and we Mm -hmm. shift as much power as we possibly can in their direction. Mm -hmm. That means setting aside our expectations of what kind of um, right, you know, quote unquote, right answers or what we're looking forward to hearing and just being open to whatever the story is that they are willing to bring. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's um, physical, like what our physical posture is, um, you know, sitting on the floor, giving them space, power. I mean, I have some students I, or children that um, when they come in, so I have, you know, the recognition manipulatives, the response manipulatives, and they're yeah. not interested in either one. And they're certainly yeah. not interested in going the direction that I want them to go. Right. So they, they may come in and say, today, Lacey, I'm going to start with the labyrinth finger labyrinth. So that's a, that's in the response section. Right. And yeah. normally I start with recognition, but I, I, I need to have my sea legs and stay at their elbow, not in front of them and not behind them, mm-hmm. but instead staying with the wave. Um, I, I met with, I've met with several children. They get to turn on the light um, mm-hmm. when they enter the space and they turn it off when they leave. And I was meeting with one child um, actually, I've met with a couple of them um, who um, come in quite wounded, yeah. um, maybe from a traumatic situation, and they've, in the middle of the session, turned the light off and got up and left. Yeah. Um, and it's allowing that, Yeah. Um, honoring it in every way possible. Um, I had an adolescent who came to me, um, or early adolescent, um, 12-ish, um, and hardly spoke every week. Mm-hmm for like six weeks, hardly said anything, came in, picked up the watercolors, painted and left. Yeah. 
So it yeah. is, it is in that posture and shifting the power to them. Yeah. Um, and then the pattern is um, having an expectation. So they come in knowing that this is the pattern of expectation, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, but that they can, they can totally walk away from it. But mm-hmm. having that um, pattern um, gives them the opportunity, like they know what it is. So it feels safe to them. I'm really struck by what you said about the early adolescent who just uh, did the watercolor for six mm. weeks, essentially didn't say much. There's this sense in our world that talking is the main form of communication, but especially with young people, verbal communication is simply one of many kinds of communication. Mm. And holy listening, I'm sure can happen with a child who is only doing watercolors and not mm-hmm. saying much. If we have eyes to see and ears to, to mm-hmm. hear what they're saying to us through that or what they're saying to themselves as well. Mm-hmm. Um, for folks like parents, leaders, pastors, uh, who this is really intriguing for, and they, they want to get going with this either with their grandchildren or their, the children at their church. Um, I've, I've had students, I was saying to you before we started that I've had a, a number of students uh, choose to uh, write uh, or, or, make presentations about the book and some of them have have tried this holy listening uh, these sessions out with um, younger siblings with grandchildren Um, sometimes uh, because you know we're still in a pandemic uh, they were able to do it in person I had someone try it on zoom and it's been really interesting to hear all of these different people um, share about the different ways that it immediately felt comfortable for them. In a way, it wasn't anything that was terribly difficult because it required listening, which we mm. can do. And yet it runs counter, as you say in the book, it, this idea runs counter to um, the idea that adult adults teach uh, and talk at children. So what would you recommend mm. for people who want to get going and try this, I, this, this practice out for themselves? Well, I would say in the beginning, just become curious about the inner lives of children. Mm-hmm. Um, and become for people of faith, become curious about what God is doing in the lives of children. Yeah. Um, let your theology maybe stretch just a little bit that the yes. God of the universe who longed every person in existence is speaking, interacting and engaging with every human being, including children. Yeah. And become curious about what that looks like. Um, and, you know, notice that posture, power, and pattern. So when, when you um, become curious with a child, get down on their level, mm-hmm. ask some open-ended questions, keep curiosity and wonder alive in your own heart, mm. and, and get ready to marvel at what they yeah. disclose. Yeah, I love that. Thank you mm-hmm. so much for sharing your wisdom mm-hmm. uh, with us today. Uh, mm-hmm. I have been enriched by it both in in the with the book and now with uh, our conversation i know our listeners would be uh, as well and of course uh, for those who haven't read the book um, spiritual conversations with children is a great resource for people who are wanting to deepen their walks with the children in their lives their faith walks and uh, open themselves up to what god is doing uh, in the lives of the children. And, and I love that subtitle, right? Listening to God together. 
Mm. It's really, that's what it's about. It's, it's yes, we listen to the children, but, but ultimately when we are sitting down on the floor to engage in holy listening, what we're really doing is joining them in listening to God. Mm. I, I really love that about God. Mm -hmm. God is reciprocal and God's economy is just so generous. It touches everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Faith Forward podcast series. If you want to learn more from creative thinkers and innovative leaders, be sure to subscribe or visit faith-forward.net.